everyone, and welcome to this week's Start Somewhere with Sarah Vaughan from Marie Claire. I'm so delighted to have the amazing Arizona Muse joining me today. The model, climate activist, mother, nature lover, and women of the Environment Network, which is how, how we know each other. So welcome, how are you? I'm really well, thank you for having me. It's always a delight to speak to you about sustainability. We're both equally as passionate about the topic. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> we're guilty as judged. So Arizona, I know, you know, everyone wants to know how did you get started in life? Um, you know, what brought you to this moment? Yes, I have been a model for 11 years now, getting to be an old model. I, of course, was really lucky in the beginning. I've worked with most of the top fashion houses in the world, in France and in Italy and, and America. And I've been really blessed with a super successful career as a model. And then about five years into that career, I realized I didn't know anything about the clothes that I was selling. Nothing. Mm -hmm. I didn't know where they were coming from, didn't know what material they were made from. And so from that, I went on a deep dive into research and helping myself to understand what kind of an impact the fashion industry was having on the environment. I grew up in Santa Fe, New Mexico, which was a very, very environmentalist, heavy per capita population. Yeah. And I grew up with the skewed view that there were loads of loads of environmentalists in the world and that I could go up and do the fashion <laughs> thing. <laughs> because the, <laughs> the climate sector was overpopulated anyway, <laughs> which I now know is completely backwards. And I just, I was lucky to grow up in a pocket of very aware humans who were already doing a lot 30 and 20 years ago for the climate health. And so I went on this journey of educating myself. And I, I think of it now as my, my own, Kind of self-university time because I was modeling so I didn't go to university and didn't get that educational experience and I've done it over the last five years. Every minute of my free time has gone into teaching myself about planet earth and about climate change and about what went wrong and where it went wrong and how we can backtrack in some ways and super forward track in other ways in order to come to a balanced life that actually supports regeneration on the earth. And the fashion industry, as you know, has the most powerful sphere of influence. And I really want to see us using that influence for good yes. and to make sure that we're leading the way with that influence instead of 20 years from now looking back going, gosh, why didn't we do anything we could have <laughs> yeah yeah not not on my watch not on yours no. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely and you know this you know the moment that you really it kind of really dawns on you you know like oh my god I'm part of this system you know what actually happened for you I mean what you know what, what, was there a kind of lightning thunderbolt you know kind of you know big finger pointing from the heavens for you or what did it happen yeah there was for me what happened was I was invited to a charity lunch for an environmental charity that I didn't know anything about at the time called Synchronicity Earth and I learned there from Jessica Swayden and from her guests who were speaking at the lunch about biodiversity, which even growing up in Santa Fe was a word that really wasn't in my vocabulary. And I had never considered 
what loss of biodiversity would do to us and the planet and why we actually need every single species that exists, not just half of them, which is really what we're headed toward. (laughs) And that really turned me on to what is now my passion and learning about nature and how nature functions and the intricate web of connection and how every little bit helps each other. And I love mosquitoes as an example, because my son always asked me, why do we have mosquitoes? I hate them. They're so annoying. And I felt the same way. We all feel the same way when we're trapped in a room with one of them and we're trying to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) They're such a good example of why we need everything. Because without mosquitoes, we wouldn't have fish or birds. Because fish and birds eat all those tiny little mosquitoes and tiny other similar insects. It's all part of the food chain. And imagine a life without fish and birds. And you'd be like, okay, yes, I want mosquitoes. (laughs) maybe not the genetically modified ones which just seems to be being launched in in uh, in like a couple of weeks time in the states anyhow yeah, <laughs> moving on from but but jessica's jessica and think i mean jessica is amazing so this this real moment of like oh my goodness and and biodiversity mm. is so important yeah i mean it, it's just just extraordinary and uh, and our planet is magical and everything does have its place as you so rightly it truly is. you know you went to the lunch you met the incredible Jessica <laughs> you had this wake up moment what happened then then I connected with Jessica afterwards and she said oh you really need to meet Nina Morenzi at the sustainable angle because she's working in fashion on things like loss of biodiversity and nature. And, and so I met Nina Morenzi through Jessica. And the amazing Nina, amazing yeah. Nina, who became a mentor of mine and has taught me so much and really educated me on materials, which it turns out I have a natural passion for. I want to know everything about them. Where was the raw material grown? Who made it? What kinds of chemicals and pesticides were used in its creation? And then what kind of chemicals were processed on that fabric after, because it's, it's not easy, for instance, to turn a tree into a dress, but it happens all the time. It's called viscose and rayon and all those tree pulps. It's a heavy chemical process. And I'm just fascinated by all of that. I want to know why it's bad because most of the time it's pretty um, polluting this process of making textiles. And it's easy to check those numbers. You just Google is, is the textile industry a polluting industry and you'll be wowed with what you find about levels of pollution yeah i i mean i i will never forget the moment i found out viscose was made by trees it was um stella mccartney talking at the uh, center for sustainable fashion kind of um caring awards and you know she was saying you know literally i just found out you know i asked the questions about where did viscose come from she's like oh man it comes from trees And, and and it was like wow you know, we you know we th- we knew about cotton and stuff like that, but we had no idea where where viscose came from and the effect of that. Yeah, and then it kind of gives you a really clear idea of how just how many trees we chop down every year, right? Because you thought I thought it was only paper, but then you realize oh, it's fabric as well, which kind of doubles the amount of wood pulp that we now need, and it's just, the the pressure on forests is grand. And even if it's a sustainably managed forest, it's still a forest and they are still trees that we're cutting down. And often a forest, a managed forest means a monoculture. So it's really actually right there over on the spectrum of agriculture rather than forestry. And that's usually 
intensely chemicalized because when you have one species of tree, it, it's very vulnerable because they trees are supposed to be living with a biodiverse number of species among them in order to share nutrients and not, for instance, if you have a monoculture, it means that all those trees need the same nutrients yeah. and they all are vulnerable to the same pests. Whereas if you have a healthy, diverse forest, all the different species need slightly different variations of nutrients. So they're not clamoring and competing against each other the way one species of tree will. And also they're not vulnerable to the same types of insects. So then you get a very biodiverse group of insects who come to live with the trees, shall we say, or in the trees. And then they're also eating each other. And then that creates a biodiverse stream of birds who will be coming to eat the biodiverse insects. So it's just, it's such a, a ladder of biodiversity when you think about it. And then that's when you go, oh, I really want to save it. I really want to save that rainforest. I don't want any more of it to be cut down. I don't want it to be a monocultural managed forest. Yes, I'm willing to wear other types of clothing. Secondhand clothing is by far the best option because it's already there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. And like, you know, there you are, you know, you, you, you're learning about all of these things and really becoming an activist. So tell us a bit about the kind of activism you've, you've, been, you've been doing and, and leaning into. I love that you asked about that, because if you'd asked me about that 10 years ago, I would have said, I will never be an activist. I'm not someone wow. with courage. I'm not someone who could ever stand up and speak publicly about something I believed in. I'm shy. But Funnily enough, I identify with the word activist now and I do all those things and I love it. <laughs> so it really makes me think that all of us have an inner activist somewhere and we all need to activate that inner activist. It's been an amazing journey for me to, to come to terms with the identity of being an activist and, and we just, we all need to be one. We really do. We need to find that inner activism and, and get it out there because we're in a rush. We really are. I'll be honest. All this, all this education that I've done for myself has led me to see the urgency. We are in a really urgent situation. We don't have very much time. And that's talking about people like me. I'm a lucky one. I live in a city. I'm totally fine. You know, climate change, climate change hasn't touched me yet, but there are millions of climate refugees who have already been touched by climate change. And we cannot sit here any longer in cities feeling nicely cushioned away from the effects of climate change and just continue living our lives with incredibly high carbon emissions and incredibly large footprints on the earth while people, real human beings around on the other side of the globe are suffering immensely. Yeah. So this is one of the messages that I'm sharing and we have to share it. It is sad and it is awful to think about, but we must think about it. You know, we must, that's the only way to change things. And one thing I'd like to say about becoming more sustainable as a lifestyle, choosing this lifestyle, oh, it's done nothing but enrich my life and make my life better. Wow. In that's no way at all. The same, the same, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It is. It feels better. I'm happier. My life is. It looks better. My wardrobe looks better. Everything. I'm just better at everything now that I'm more sustainable and I like my life more. It's it's so much. It's but I, I, I really am sensitive to the fact that there's a lot of fear around taking those first steps to becoming sustainable because it, it you think you might think 
that you'll be less comfortable and that you'll have to deny yourself a lot of things like white sugar and, you know, new shiny sequin dresses. But in the end, when you know what white sugar and shiny sequin dresses are doing to the environment and the people who make them, you don't want those things anymore. I'm not denying myself anything. I simply don't want them. My knowledge protects me from making poor decisions. Yeah, which is so right. Um, and, you know, Arizona, when, you, when you're working with some of these fashion houses, I mean, you're often going to have the creative director and the senior team on the shoot. I mean, you know, do you, know, do you manage to kind of land a few words in there, you know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Absolutely. This is why I continue to accept work from brands who are not yet sustainable is because I do think that's part of my impact. What I'm doing all the time is chatting about sustainability. So I'm doing that when I'm on set as well. And yes, I am often there with the key players and decision makers in that brand. And it's really exciting to have a conversation with them and to hear how they didn't quite realize how big the impact of the fashion industry is and how they really do want to do something. Because after all, we're all human. We all have hearts and we all care. We really do. Just a lot of us find ourselves in positions where our jobs or our surroundings cause us to have a greater impact of negativity than we would like to if we stopped to think about it and designed our lives the way we want them to be. And I I really think and hope that COVID has given us the fashion industry the moment we needed to, to sit back and relax and think about what means something to us. And I, for one, have really found that nature and my family are the two most important things in the world. And I need to put a lot of effort and energy into connecting with those two entities and building my relationship with them, spending more present time with my children rather than time where I'm actually thinking about that email that I haven't finished yet. And then I go, what? To my son? What did you tell me? I wasn't listening. What? Like that happens so often and it's just embarrassing. <laughs> and I, do, I know I'll look back and go, oh, why didn't I spend more quality time with my children? No one ever looks back on their lives and goes, oh, I spent too much quality time with my children and my family. <laughs> no one ever says that. <laughs> not, not, not that I've heard yet. That's for certain. But no, you're, you're, you're absolutely so right. And, and this kind of mindful consumption and conscious consumption is, is, is very enriching, as you, as, 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 as you say. And, you know, I think that, um, you know, because you've become sub- a, a subject matter expert, you can have these conversations. And I, and I think, you know, genuinely a lot of people in the fashion industry, I mean, they love beautiful clothes. They want to make beautiful things. You know, they don't want to destroy the planet. I mean, it's quite shocking for them to, 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 to realize mm-hmm. what does happen. And a lot of buyers don't know. And a lot of, you know, they're just looking at the, the kind of garments they're creating, not actually at where everything came from. And, and, yeah. and, and that's why I really applaud you for doing that. And, and also applaud you for your positive action because I think if we always pick it or ban or generally use the stick, then people can dig their toes in, you know, and, and kind of like generally <laughs> like like carry on in a kind of blindfold way. It doesn't always like incentivize them to have that conversation but I think the way you do it is so great because you have them as captive audiences and <laughs> you can actually like encourage and inspire them <laughs> that is really really nice I love hearing that thank which, you 
which is great. And I mean, you know, of, of some of the, I mean, the brands that you work with, uh, you know, are, are there any of the houses that you really kind of are admiring and thinking are doing amazing jobs, you know, who've, who've performed quite big U-turns? There are amazing brands on the startup scale who are mm-hmm. doing incredible things, starting from scratch and saying, we are going to do things differently. We have a different ethos. And I'm so impressed with the landscape of sustainable brands right now. It's just getting every day. It's growing bigger and bigger and better and better. No longer is sustainable fashion brown and scratchy. And that's really, really good. <laughs> it was horrible. I mean, we all wanted to buy it. But when we looked at it, it really was just like, it's yeah. just beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> it's not great. And yeah, and yeah that, 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 that is absolutely kind of a, a, a seminal moment that, you know, fashion and sustainable fashion should be beautiful. And, be. and, and, and also I feel, you know, and I'd love, to, you know, to hear you more talk more about this because, you know, the fashion industry is full of high creative, extraordinary people. So, sure. y- you know, if, if we inspire them, you know, with, with kind of like working with nature rather than against it, we, mm-hmm. we should be able to create wonderful things. I mean, maybe you'd like to expand on that a bit more. Yeah, I think creativity is part of regeneration. I really do. So it's part of climate relief to be creative. And I do see that the bigger the company, often the less creative license the design team have. And that's quite sad to see. And also the bigger the company, the less creativity is equally distributed along the supply chain, because that's really important to note as well, that not only is pay, equal pay, not distributed well along the supply chain, like down to the raw materials and the garment workers who are paid very little, up to the head designers who are paid really quite a lot, it's just not an equal distribution. And I think it's the same for creativity. And I would love to see the creativity be more equally distributed so that garment workers who are making clothing can actually feel like they have a creative job, can can be given some creative license and some input into the clothing and, and be given freedom in that respect, because that is what drives or what gives a purposeful life is to feel creative. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I was going to ask, you know, Arizona, if I was to make you the head of the global fashion industry, (laughs) you get my magic wonder, what would you do? Hmm. I'm going to make a prophecy first. I would profess that pretty soon sustainable fashion and the fashion industry will actually meld into one industry. And I'm really excited to see that happen. And what I mean by that is right now, sustainable brands still kind of fit outside of the fashion industry. They're not, the names of the sustainable brands are not what we think of when we think of fashion. But I think right now is the moment when all the names we do recognize are going to shift into a much more sustainable way of producing and much more sustainable choice when it comes to materials And also the brands that are sustainable have a big leg up right now because they're already doing it the right way. So I think there's opportunity here for them to really succeed. And I can't wait to see that happen. That's my prophecy is that pretty soon the whole industry will be a sustainable fashion industry. 
And if I were to be the head of the global fashion industry, first of all, I think that's a great idea to have a global fashion industry because in reality it is a global fashion industry and yet we still operate under different laws in different countries. And that is totally unfair. And it's the seat of many of the issues that we experience because it's what allows Italian and French companies to order garments from Bangladesh and India. And then they pay incredibly lower wages and have far less stringent environmental regulations. Yeah, or I would add, don't pay them at all, which has happened during the current time of COVID, which I I, I just find devastating. Yeah, it was that was really disgraceful. That was really disgraceful. And luckily, the pay up campaign really helped on that and managed to get managed to release billions of dollars that had been stayed and cancel on cancelled orders, release that back into the supply chain where it should go, which is not to say that it was going to save the world, but at least it's just not, again, once again, making the most vulnerable suffer the most in a financial crisis. And that's what's so hard to see over and over and over again. And just that part is what makes me feel really icky, Mm -hmm. sitting here with my comfortable life where I can afford to buy organic food to feed my family. And it's just not right that that's not accessible to everyone. Yeah, so what else would you do to change the global fashion industry? If you could wave your wand. If I could wave my wand, I would focus on materials and make sure that we stop using all synthetic materials except for 100% recycled synthetics and only when absolutely necessary because at the end of life of the garment, even if it's a recycled synthetic, it still isn't having a positive impact. But we do need that somewhere. You know, it's, it's great to have some waterproof clothing. It really is waterproof footwear and on a day like today yes (laughs) (laughs) but mostly we should be relying on natural materials that come from regenerative agriculture and that's really important because we don't really associate fashion with agriculture but of course most of our garments are grown in soil and we need to be we need to stop degrading that soil with chemical monocultural monocultural agriculture and start regenerating that soil and being part of the solution by using our very powerful rich fashion brands to buy regeneratively grown materials which because the animals that they come from will be so healthy and the soil will be so healthy all the wool and leather and cotton that is grown will actually be of a much higher quality and then we'll start to see that garments last longer and bedding lasts longer and curtains last longer. I mean, the, the textile industry stretches far beyond just fashion. It's interiors, it's carpets, it's everything. I would definitely localize some things much, much, much more because I think the, the specialization of manufacturing has really meant that we do a lot of unnecessary shipping back and forth of items. And we could upskill. I, I love the idea of treating humans as the complex, super intelligent beings that they are. And assembly line work just does not respect that at all. And so I would really take away the assembly line and I would, I would, put, I would make sure that garment workers are making the whole garment, not just sewing one sleeve and then shipping it onto India to be embroidered. And it's just not 
it's not cool to do that. It just isn't. No, it's extraordinary. I mean, if you, if you actually looked at the global air miles of quite a lot of things, I mean, they, they've probably travelled around the world several times. It's probably more than, yeah. more than, more than any of us. <laughs> and all the moving pieces, the buttons came from one country, the zip came from another country, then they were sewn together, then they went to another country after that. And each time, of course, they're wrapped and rewrapped in plastic. So that's another issue that happens with shipping as a byproduct of the shipping is that the packaging has to be repackaged every time. So there's so many quick kind of low hanging fruit fixes like those that we just talked about that would just have a beautiful transformation. Then we would have an industry. I'd like to focus on what we would have as well as what would yeah. change different that because I think it's really important for us to all build a picture in our minds, a detailed picture of what a good world looks like, because we all focus right now on what a bad world has looked like. But if we don't anchor ourselves in the future with where we want to be, it's going to be harder to get there. I, I so agree. I've, I, I, you know, I've, I've, I've strongly um, believe that we need to have a very firm vision of what it could look like, um, you know, and in a really positive way, you know, so it isn't a story of doom and gloom. It's actually a story of exploration and, and, yeah. and, and extraordinary like breakthroughs and, and oh, innovation. Yeah. If we, make it, if we can all work together and transform our society and our behaviors in time so that the planet can survive and most of the species on it, including us, can survive, oh, that'll be an amazing moment and an amazing future. We will all live a richer life, a happier life, a more purposeful life with far fewer medications. <laughs> It'll be amazing. <laughs> So for our listeners, Arizona, who, you know, love their fashion, are very concerned about its impact on the planet, what are the some of the things that they can actually do as, as simple steps, you know, to, to actually kind of change the way they buy fashion, uh, but still enjoy it? Absolutely. So I would say start by doing a Pinterest board. This is really fun. Do a Pinterest board of your style. What do you, what, how do you define your style and how do you verbalize your style? Because you need to know what your style is to make shopping easier for yourself so you don't overbuy things because it's generally, I'm now very slim on what I buy. I don't buy a lot of things. And when I do buy something, it's really, really good. And I really love it. And I'm really confident in that choice. I used to buy things just because I thought I might like them one day. And it was because I didn't know what my real style was. So do that Pinterest board. Pinterest is super helpful because it's going to suggest to you other things like the ones that you clicked on. And then you'll, then you'll be able to review the board that you've made and go, Oh yeah, this is the trends. I seem to, for me, it was, I love solid colors. I love a waist, a cinched in waist. So then a wide shoulder, I love shoulder pads. I love a high-waisted trouser or high-waisted skirt. I really like boots. I like belts a lot and hats. And then from that, I was like, okay, so shopping's super easy now. And I know what I can get rid of. I know what I will never need again because it doesn't really fit that criteria. And then it's, it's just, again, it's, it's this, the way sustainability always is, is that once you have defined it properly, you need a lot less. Yeah. And then you feel really satisfied with what you have, which is the best feeling ever. Yeah. So it is, it's about having less, but feeling more. <laughs> yes. And, and I mean, there are some extraordinary statistics, aren't there, that most people only wear about 
you know, less than 20% of their wardrobe in any case. So, I mean, yeah, we, we, we don't actually need the other 80. And we have a cluttered wardrobe and we can't see anything that we like in it because it's overflowing with stuff we don't like. So that's my first advice. Do a Pinterest board so that you know what your style is. So you can get rid of anything that you don't actually need and then and give it to charity or rent it out on a rental website. There are many, um, options. Also resale is a huge market now. So you probably will be able to get some money from it. Count how much money you get because you'll feel really good with, as that number goes up and up and up. And like, wow, I made so much money off these clothes I wasn't even wearing, which is yeah. great. And then I would also say when you do buy something, first, first step is buy secondhand. Yeah. In your brain, tell yourself secondhand is cool. I used to think it was dirty. I used to think someone else had sweated in it. Just that's all flexible. We can change our thoughts instantly if we want to. Instantly. Yeah. yeah. And the brain is immense. Yeah. <laughs> and I have to say, like, the clothes that I have that everyone comments on the most are all secondhand. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. And you can join my you can join my awareness campaign, which is hashtag, hashtag awareness as in W-E-A-R, awareness where I put my hands on my head. You don't really have to, but I do it just to be silly. And I take a picture of my outfit and I rank the pieces that I'm wearing. So if I'm wearing four pieces of clothing and three of them are sustainable because they're either secondhand or they're organic cotton or they were made by a women's collective out of sustainable materials, there's, there's a whole checklist on my Instagram, you'll find it. Then I would give myself a three out of four rating. And that's just for me. It's not a win or lose situation, but it just, it's an incentive to dress more sustainably. And it's, for me, it's really, really worked. I now, since I started that every day, I think about how many pieces am I putting on that are sustainable? It's, it's so interesting how, again, the flexibility of our thoughts, like that's just a thought process. That's not my wardrobe actually changing, but now it's really made it kind of impossible for me to buy things that aren't sustainable, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> which is good. It's good to put up these barricades just for when temptation does show its little face. <laughs> well, the, the great dress, which is absolutely amazing, which is entirely unsustainable. You'll only ever wear once that one. <laughs> that one, that dress, yeah. just, but once in a while, you'll be, maybe you'll be tired or having a bad day and it'll flash up in front of you on your screen and you'll be tempted. You will. I am. Sometimes I'm like, no, 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 no. And I just think of all the things I know. And I think of all my awareness and my, and then suddenly I'm like, no, I really, oh, I really didn't need that. <laughs> what was I thinking? <laughs> thinking. Yeah. But it is a journey and you do train yourself, but keep doing it. Keep that training going because you will get there to a point where it's super easy. It's just easy and it flows and you don't need anything unless it's sustainable. Also, it feels really good to find sustainable brands and then buy something. Like recently I found a jewelry brand that I love called Catrees and she uses all recycled metal. So then I'm like, oh, finally. And it's all this really sweet, I'm wearing earrings now. Lovely, they're gorgeous. Really sweet, kind of dainty little gold gold color or silver color jewelry and it's not expensive at all. And I just, that feels amazing to me. I just feel like, wow, this is a good brand. She's charging the right price for something that she put creativity into. She thought it out and she's doing something good for the environment. That's so lovely. And you know what? 
I think, you know, that brings us very sadly to the end. You and I could talk about this forever and, and, and we will continue offline. But Arizona, thank you so much. That was so incredibly valuable and helpful. And I know our listeners will, will really kind of love those tips and, and take them to heart and act on them. Thank you so much and take huge care. It's been such thank a pleasure. you, Sarah, so much for the awareness that you're raising. You know, no one of us on our own is ever going to be able to save the world, but together we can. Thank you.